Welcome friends. We are your hosts, Sandy and Wade, baby best friends turned husband and wife and business partners. This podcast is for the dreamers, the movers and shakers, and those who seek to attract their dream life. Strap in, getting magnetic in three, two, one. Like attracts like. If you see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. You just decide what it's going to be, who you're going to be, how you're going to do it. And then from that point, the universe is going to get out your way. This moment in time, this is your time to rise. All right, all right. I am fired up, pun intended, for today's guest, one of my best friends in the world, the man, the myth, the legend. His name actually is Sean Percy Travis. He has like three names. That's pretty dope. And Sean and I literally just rolled in the door. We're recording live together. Sandy's here too. Say hi, Sandy. Hi. And we just rolled in from, we're both doing an Ironman together. We were literally just training. We rolled in. I'm still in my bike shorts. He out of courtesy threw shorts on for Sandy. (laughs) And we're excited to have him here. I'm going to go real quick into who is Sean. And then we're going to get into some questions, get to know Sean and get to know kind of how Sean's going to impact the world. I also need to share how this is even a thing because I actually met Sean way before you did. So no, 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 you can do your thing. And then I'm going to tell my story. (laughs) Roger that. So, all right. Technical bio on the books, paper bio, Sean, he's a full-time firefighter and the founder of Functional Hero and The Calling Man, which I'm really excited to dig into. He's a certified strength and conditioning specialist tactical strength and conditioning facilitator, and a certified personal trainer with the ACE and NASM. He has degrees from Loyola Marymount in biology and health and body sciences, and is currently in his master's and doctorate program for human performance. He's like one of those like really cool guys, but like a total nerd as far as when it comes to like science and different things. And he'll tell me about like my body. I'm like, dude, yeah, yeah. That's all good. Like, that's really cool, but kind of nerdy at the same time. (laughs) But Sandy, all right. How do you know, Sean? Okay. So... Sean and I actually met at Stagecoach. I want to say it was like maybe 2014. Yeah. What do you think? Like eight years ago or so? At least, yeah. And I was with my crew of girls. He was with his crew of guys. This was like back when Wade and I, like, it was like when you aren't sure what you are, but like I knew I was going to marry him and I loved him. Same. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm all my girls are with Sean and his friends. And so we met at Stagecoach and I always was like, dude, Sean needs to meet Wade. Like, but Wade lived in Boston. It was like this long distance thing. And so two years ago, you guys recently heard Kelly Pereira, my best friend on the podcast. We were all at Kelly's wedding because this is a crazy story, but Sean's fiance, Lindsay, went to high school with Kelly. So you can see there's all these crazy overlaps and we're like meant to know each other. So Wade and Sean met in Mexico at Kelly's wedding and ever since have been like inseparable. So is, did I tell that right? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. We'll get to the Mexico story too. That's a wild one. But without further ado, Sean, you want to say what up to the Getting Magnetic fam? What's up? Yeah, Sandy, you also missed out the fact that you reached out randomly via social media <laughs> just to say, hey, you need to meet my new boyfriend. You guys would be great, great <laughs> friends. Like literally out of nowhere. I was like, I totally respect that. And I'm really looking forward to meeting this guy. <laughs> when you know, you know. When you know, you know. <laughs> yep. So. so good. Okay. So with all that said, obviously we were all meant to be friends and I'm so excited that you're here. So we invited Sean to be on because he is just one of the most charismatic and like incredible humans ever. He's so joyful. He's so kind. He's the best storyteller. He's such a giver and a lover and just a good friend to all. And we wanted to expose him to the Getting Magnetic community because he just has so many gifts and so much to share. And yeah, we really just wanted you to share your story. So can you set the stage? Tell us a little bit about Sean. Like, What was your upbringing like? Tell us a little bit of your story. Yeah. Thank you for that intro. Who am I? Who am I? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I am one of the few and far that can actually say they were born and raised in Southern California and stuck around. Absolutely love this place. I love traveling, but I love calling this place home. So I love being one of the good people from California. Grew up and played tons of sports. Grew up under the church belt and learned spirituality young. Grew up with a very smart mom and dad who are amazing people. Very, very cool parents. Was very stoked on that. Uh, got an older brother. He's an airline pilot. 
lives in Dubai, works for Emirates. Very cool. Married a flight attendant. That a boy. Yeah, they flew together once, so that's all it took. <laughs> yeah, I went to college out here too, played some baseball. Uh, I've always been super active, super geek, super sciencey, just like Wade said. I uh, probably get that from my dad, the doctor. So science major, love studying, love activity, love just human optimization. I know it's like a cheesy general word, but I truly believe we're put on this planet once and we can totally optimize this life to millions times more of what we're told we can. So I love just venturing into any and every pathway possible, just to experience joy and love and connectivity in this life. Now I'm a full-time firefighter, uh, paramedic at the engineer rank. I uh, work for LA County and also started my own businesses, Functional Hero and The Calling Man. You know, if you ever realize that you're marrying up, you're doing it right. Yep, yep. I'm going about 10 miles up. So. We did it. We did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, total Power Woman, Wonder Woman, Lindsay, and got an awesome puppy, Nala. She looks like a wolf. And now we are cruising and bruising. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Okay. So, so much good stuff in there and we're going to dive into some of it. But before we do, I always love asking guests this. What does getting magnetic mean to you, Sean? Mm, I like that. Getting magnetic. Let's see. Let's come up with some right now. Pulling things together, pulling them towards you. I would say getting magnetic means showing up and being authentic. You look out in nature and you see something that's powerful, strong, and authentic. Take a lion, take a gazelle, take a giraffe, whatever, right? Take a really cool tree. And you see it's just totally in its own element. There is something beautiful about it and there's something magnetic about it. And it's because mm -hmm. it is fully there and it is in its own presence. And so to me, getting magnetic would be, hey, I'm choosing to be intentional and showing up and living in this moment and capturing it. Thus, I bring us all together. So good. And when I honestly think about how we all know each other, like we all got magnetic towards each other, right? 100%. Like, let's be honest, because I've known Lindsay for like eight years. I've known you for eight years, but didn't know you together. And then I think you guys, I, I actually don't remember exactly how you met. How did you meet? Online. Online. The league. Okay. App. Okay, yeah. on yeah. app. Um, so it's funny because I knew you both separately, but then you guys found each other. I will never forget when I saw a picture of you guys on like Instagram or something. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. They found each other. Like these two beautiful, amazing human beings were like meant to be together. Like, how did I never think to introduce them? I knew them both. But you guys got magnetic towards each other. And then I feel like all of us, like the four of us, because we're like the two couples, like we always like double date. We've been to Mexico together multiple times. Like mm -hmm. we love traveling and doing things. So we got magnetic towards each other too but i love your answer so good Thank so you. good and yeah 100 percent. so they're getting married in later this year and we have their save the date on the fridge and whenever people walk in they're like who are these models on your fridge <laughs> i'm like oh yeah that, those are my friends they're actually my friends um but okay i'm gonna throw one off the cuff question for you this is, this is gonna be a think a thinking one you, let's talk about your legacy. What what legacy do you want to leave? What thumbprint do you want to leave on the world? I feel like that could be a good flow into our conversation today. The phrase, yes, I can, comes to mind. I want people to feel empowered and always have the mindset of, yes, I can. Can I, you know, choose a amazing career? Yes, I can. Can I show up for a family? Yes, I can. Can I play with my kids into my 70s? Yes, I can. You know, can I travel? Can I answer my dreams? Can I make them actions and realities? Yes, I can. And I've, you know, come into that realization that yes, I can. And so knowing and understanding that I was empowered by others and thus I can continue that empowerment. Yeah, yes, I can. I love it. And I feel like you, you're one of those people, right? Where you leave everyone around you better off. And so I know you serve everyone. But if you were to think like, get specific, like who are you looking to serve in the world? Right now, a big thing on my heart is, is men specifically. Obviously, I work a career where I serve everyone, all ages, sizes, shapes, and colors. You know, that's literally our calling. Like we come into people's homes and we pick them up out of the junkiest, crappiest, most horrible time in their life and hopefully bring them back to normal. And we do it day in, day out, you know, anywhere from five to 30 times a day. We had a night. And so there's that general practice of, you know, wanting to serve, I guess, humanity as a whole, as your neighbor, as your mother, as your father, you know, as you would your family. But right now, heavy on my heart is is men in general and just seeing we're living in this beautiful time of the woman and powerful femininity. And it is awesome. 
But I'm also witnessing as a man myself, seeing the diminishing of the masculine and understanding that we don't have one without the other. You know, when we had toxic masculinity, we had weak femininity. And when we have toxic femininity, it means we have weak masculinity and vice versa. And so understanding that as a man, we can truly regain what healthy masculinity means, showing up present, being that powerful soul that we are meant to be and uh, showing up in that. So yeah, right now that's heavy on my heart is just getting that fire ignited and having men show up fully. I love that. Where would you say, I feel like I'm on a similar path, but where would you say that sparked for you? Like, when were you like, I, I need to do this? Man, if there was an original aha moment, it's, I mean, it's been building, but I, it would, mm. yeah. I feel like sometimes it's gradual, right? It's not always an aha moment. Absolutely. I, okay. Can I just say when we met at Stagecoach, I remember you and two of your friends had those giving keys around your mm -hmm. neck. What did they say again? At that time, they were fearless, wild, and faith. And just the meaning behind that, I was like, I don't know any dudes that are this like intentional. Like, can you like <laughs> explain a little bit about what that was about and how I just thought that concept yeah. was so cool. Absolutely. So totally based off the same thing, reigniting that just like godlike fire within all of us, right? So Giving Keys, a little backstory on that. It's a company that produces keys. They employ the homeless, which is really cool. And they just etch words on the keys. And these words will be anything from like let go to believe to courage to, you know, you pick it in anything under eight letters, it'll fit. And your goal is to take the word on the key. So let's say let go, right? That was the first one that was given to me. And you find something in your life that you can truly let go of. Like, what are you holding on to that's maybe not serving you or for whatever reason, you just need to let go. And you go through that process, make it private, make it, you know, communal up to you, totally how you want to do it. And once you achieve that, you then find someone to give it to. And you give that key to them, you share your story and help empower them further. And so we got on this kick of just getting these keys. And then it was just like tackling like life step after life step of like, you know, I had a belief, one, a courage, one, to let go. One. And I was like, we were just in love with this process. And at the time, me and these two buddies were traveling a bunch and doing this a bunch. And we nailed down on the three keys. I had fearless, my other buddy had wild and the other buddy had faith. And it just kind of rang together, Fearless Wild Faith. And one of them took it stronghold. He has an Instagram with it, made some clothing and products with it too. But we just loved the message that that brought and built like a slogan there. Live fearless, you know, that you never like are without bounds. Wild that you always keep that childlike spirit and faith that you're exactly where you need to be. Mm. So good. And like, this is like, that's how I met you. And so hearing like kind of the vision you have with what you're doing now, like it's just so in alignment. Like you've always been this like very deeply intuitive, insightful, like thoughtful thinker to me where I feel like a lot of men, maybe they are like that, but they just don't outwardly show that. And to me, you've always confidently like outwardly showed that. And it's almost like this beautiful vulnerability that a lot of men like don't lean into. So yeah, I just wanted to share that because I thought that was cool. I want to piggyback on that too, that beautiful vulnerability I've learned in my older age, that vulnerability is strength and vulnerability is a part of masculinity. And I, I'd love for you to dive into kind of how you think about what is healthy masculinity, because I think people might think, okay, masculinity is like the male ego and like strong and like <laughs> the protector and the dominator and the leader. And what is healthy masculinity to you? And how is it, I guess, different than what the world might think it is? Yeah. Well, the strong man is the compassionate man. You know, immediately think of my dad, my father. I, again, truly, truly blessed to have such a great man as a role model. The guy tackled, I can't tell you how many ventures, how many things, you know, it's one of the reasons that I can see fortitude and grit as a reality. You know, he's literally beat, beat away death at his door three different times, you know, in my life. And I've seen it all. And he just comes out swinging, comes out with a smile on his face. He was, and he's like the smartest man I've ever met. And has always been just like this very loving, caring guy, but he had this transition. And you know what? Now that you ask this whole question, it kind of, this might be where that gut core compassion towards empowering men came from. It was actually probably my dad and just seeing how this transition uh, became such a beautiful thing. But so my dad's like 6'4", 6'5", 240 pounds, like just big boned. You know, we come from a Viking family, like these, I go to my 
cousins family reunions i'm i'm six two two ten i'm the smallest of my cousins and so, oh my god yeah just, these are big boys and so you have this like stature this prominent this presence and not only that he's a doctor and like you know he comes in the room he's got this charismatic just like aura about him but at the time when i was super young he was easily angered easily agitated and so it was more on that let's i'm not going to call it toxic but it was more on that side of masculinity where we have some power but we use it to possibly manipulate or lose control right and we're all where we we can all think of different stories where we've either as men have experienced doing it you know maybe not unintentionally or being privy to it you know watching someone with power use it in a manipulative way and seeing how toxic that can be his story he found god right and he was a total big atheist scientist that thought you know oh you know spirituality is for dumbos and whatnot and then uh, he gets invited to this conference that's completely within, you know, and there's a, a million ways to find God in the universe, but this one was through Christianity. And he was invited there by a couple of his best friends and just really went as a favor. Like they were hitting him so much. He's like, fine, I'll show up. And he goes and he's sitting there listening to the first speech and, you know, has that kind of like ego in front of him of like, man, this is so dumb. Like no one would ever believe this. You got to be a bunch of dummies. He had run late. So he couldn't find his friends who so was sitting among strangers for like the first couple speakers. And they do this little breakout group and say, all right, get to know the people around you, you know, like ask them, you know, if you've ever been to a conference, they always do that, you know, ask, ask a question, you know, what's your favorite car and like your three favorite meals and get to know each other. And the guy to his left is a rocket scientist and the guy to his right is a neurosurgeon. <laughs> so, Dang. so he's like, ah, all right. I can't go on that. Everyone's a dummy here. I better listen up. Mm -hmm. And what happened is he found that vulnerability, that compassion that comes with being fully present, being like within your own power and understanding how it's not just meant for the self, it's meant for others. And understanding the only way we're ever supposed to be selfish is to empower ourselves so that we can serve for others, mm -hmm. right? So we become selfish to become selfless. And toxic part is where we are just selfish. The amazing part is when we embellish it to become selfless, right? And when he experienced that, he went from being, you know, an awesome dad, but was easily angered, easily agitated to probably the biggest loving teddy bear, like ever. Like the guy comes in the room, he's got this glint in his eye. He wants to give you a hug. He like just walks around and talks about how like gorgeous this person is or how awesome you are to be here. You know, it's just like, it's this full on loving experience. And he comes at it with like this immense power and fortitude behind it. Like the dude has seen life and like experienced it fully and fought for it and gone through the trenches for it. So healthy masculinity to me, that's an amazing example of, you know, watching my father, but is that embodying your own power and then using it for others. So it's taking that full selfish attribute, right? If I'm going to work out, that's selfish, right? I'm working out to build my body, but for what use? So that I can selflessly use it to show up for my kids in my 50s and 60s, to, you know, toss the ball with them or throw them in the pool, whatever, you know what I mean? To mm -hmm. show up in my job as a firefighter and be able to do that efficiently. Like I'm doing this so that I can show up my best for others. And that's where that shift happens from toxic to healthy masculinity. I love it. Oh, so good. I'm really excited to meet your dad yeah, <laughs> and mom. I've always heard about them. They sound amazing. Oh, Mighty Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So I think for everyone listening out there and, and ladies, especially, I think this is an important topic for you too to understand and especially like bring your husband, bring your boyfriend, bring whoever, bring your dad, brother, whoever into this because this is a super important topic. And I think we're let's come full circle towards the end of the interview on like what you've created to help men and help men find healthy masculinity. And that is with this business that you've launched, The Calling Man. Before then, I think like if we're going in the timeline, like obviously you're, you're a firefighter, LA County. And through that, you've realized, whoa, I want to optimize my human experience. My human experience is different than most people and being a first responder. What has that been like? How is Functional Hero born out of that? Can you kind of walk us through that story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This one kind of gives me chills. So Functional Hero, it's the totality experience for health and longevity practices for first responders. Who's a first responder? Because I didn't know this before okay. I knew you. First responders are when you call 911, who shows up at your door? Uh, car accident, who shows up, right? Mm -hmm. You got police, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, 
and that whole mix. Right. Right. Got the it. people that are on the road out in the mix and can kind of help or kind of be encapsulated too is like your ER trauma teams, your doctors, your nurses, mm-hmm. but your people that are first to you. So we work long shifts, long hours. We sacrifice rest. We sacrifice really calm peace of mind so that we can be in this like warrior mindset nonstop. A typical shift for me is 24 hours uh, long. A lot of times we'll get elongated to three, four, five days in a row. So up to 120 hours. And that means, you know, if I go to work Monday morning, I'm coming home Saturday morning and I've been on duty the whole time. First couple of years, you know, you get in there, you're all gung ho, you're bright eyed, bushy tail, just hitting the road running and you are stoked to be there. I call you a boot when you're a rookie because you are the boot on the ground. And that's about equivalent that you are at the time too, because you're so green, you're so new, you're so ignorant, you're right. You, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a joke tradition thing. And you're just nonstop, get going. You know, if I have low energy, I'm going to drink a bang energy just to be right back up a monster. What, what can I do tobacco? I don't know. I just got to keep going. Right. I'm all high energy question. Is that sustainable? <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't slept for three days and I'm on three cups of coffee. Hi, how you doing? Like, <laughs> no, the, the answer is no. And so you have this high stress, super high stress career already. And then we're not sleeping. So if you don't sleep, you're increasing your stress more. So it's like a pick six for the other team. It's not like, oh, I didn't gain as much recovery. It's like, no, instead of recovering. So instead of healing yourself, you broke it down even more. Mm-hmm. Now you multiply that over weeks, over months, over years, over decades. And here's the sobering statistic is the number one cause of death for active duty first responders is suicide. This is a job that we come into as a calling that we're passionate about, that we love, that people will talk about. We all, you know, look happy and fun and, you know, firefighters always look like they're having a good time. Well, apparently we're offing ourselves. So what in the actual F is going on, mm. right? When that hit the table uh, in the past couple of years, I was at work one day and we do this thing called lineup every morning. So we show up early in the morning, 630 to seven o'clock to do our relief. And then, you know, the offgoing crew will kind of tell us what happened, you know, what we need to check out and whatnot. And then from like seven to eight, eight fifteen, we'll clean, check out, like do our full maintenance from top to bottom, head to toe of all of our gear, all of our tools. You know, if you ever see a fire engine truck, paramedic engine truck, any of that, like they're just massive toolboxes, right? You call 911, we're there to handle the problem, which means we need to be able to fix whatever's there. So we have tools galore, right? And we're just jack of all trades. So you're, you're, checking that all out. You're all amped in the morning, drink your coffee, joking with the guys. You sit down at the table and then you do this thing called lineup and lineup. They kind of go over tasks of the day, any drills, any, you know, things we should try to do depending on the call volume and, you know, just updates. And we have these things called red sheets and blue sheets and all these like, you know, here's some bad things that have happened in the past. Like, let's make sure we don't repeat them, you know, deaths, line of duty deaths. And then it comes across kind of gets breezed over. Uh, this article comes out, Hey, here's another, you know, red sheet turns out, you know, suicides are number one cause of death, you know, guys. So if you have any, I think the cap, and it's, it's a tough thing to handle, right? Hey, if you guys need any help, like mental health, like do not be afraid to ask, reach out. We got some resources. All right. On to the next, who's the cook for the day. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> like, wow. Whoa. <laughs> right. You just brushed over that. Yeah. And, and I get it right. You know, we can't, every, not everything can be a big deal. Otherwise there's no such thing as getting through the day at the firehouse, but it hit me. It hit me hard. And I did a log, I did a personal log and I know nine people across different agencies personally that have taken their life since I've Damn. started. And I've only been in the game uh, just over 12 years. So mm. I can't imagine how many outside of my circle, you know, guys that have known 20, 30 years of experience and whatnot. And it's the same for military. Military is the same. You know, it's a rough stat that I'm giving right now, but I think the active duty deaths for military is around eight to 10,000 and the suicide deaths, this is since 2001, sorry, since 9-11, eight to 10,000 and the suicide deaths is closer to 115,000. So it's not even comparable. Okay. So that dark demise, right? We're talking Mm -hmm. about reality here, but what are we doing wrong? Because this isn't overnight. And, you know, there are some cases where, you know, a switch gets flipped and, you know, something biological happens, but that's not the case with most of these things. And also understanding, is this a lifestyle thing? And also understanding, is this something that, is this a path that I could fall down? Because the guys that I knew, I'm sure as hell sure that, you know, 10 years prior, they never thought they were going to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So I'm there. Does that mean I could go down that path? I'm living their life right now, Mm -hmm. theoretically. I'm in their career doing the same. Oh my gosh. So what are we doing wrong? And I started down the whole research nerd geek out, getting to the science of it all, right? And I went down to like the cellular function of the body. So one of the things I love about my my major is it was a mix of natural science, biology, health and body sciences. And I like to tell people it was kind of like this just general overlay of digging into everything from the smallest piece of matter in the universe and form of energy all the way out to how it works. So everything from like the smallest little quark is I think what would the smallest thing we we're aware of in the black matter, all the way into the cells, all the way into the like cellular function, the systems, the organ systems and the body into like how we play into the universe, how the universe itself works and then works back in us. So it was this awesome overlay. So I love digging into the science. Mm. So I started digging into what's actually happening with our, lack of sleep, high stress job. And I learned that is the same mechanism that when you feel foggy, malaise, fatigue, chronically tired, chronically stressed is the same exact mechanism that plays in a depression, suicide, stroke, cancer, heart disease, all our top killers. Hmm. I'm like, oh my God, we're, it's, it's the same path, mm-hmm. right? We got to be able to do something to tilt the scale back. And you start researching all these health professionals and all these biohackers, you know, all these like people that have the answer to living a better life in this new day and age of like high tech, you know, cell phones in our face. We never take a break. And their number one parameter always is, all right, how's your sleep? Are you getting enough sleep? If you're not, you're losing. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't have that option. So what else? Mm -hmm. Right. I got to check that off the list. I can't go live in the mountains and sleep soundly every every night. Like that's, (laughs) I signed up for a career where that's not the option. So what can I do to tilt it back? And I started finding that there are ways. There's one fitness. Fitness is huge. It is everything from your immune system booster to, you know, mitochondria to DNA to everything booster, vitality booster. You take the top three antidepressants in the world, you combine all their efficacy, all three combined still doesn't match up to what fitness does. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's the ultimate vitality mood booster. Mm -hmm. Okay. Longevity. It is absolutely. We were made to move sedentary means death. If you sit on the couch too long, you will just literally rot away mm-hmm. and you'll f- like freeze up. Your joints will lock up. Your back will get bad. You'll be that person with quote unquote bad knees, bad back. <laughs> when I'm doing quotes right now because I'm a firm believer there's no such thing. It's called an untrained back or an untrained pair of knees, right? Mm-hmm. We can we can fix it. And I just went through a back injury and I went through that mindset, fought out a surgery and ended up just training my back and healing itself. So came into the parameters of, okay, so fitness, but there's also a ton of biohacks that we can do like breath work, mindfulness, cold therapy, cold immersion, heat therapy, heat immersion, inversion stretching, and then how we transition, how we're doing this timing throughout the day, uh, figuring out that it's a process of high, low and figuring out into our nervous system. The big, I guess the major player in all this is your vagus nerve. Your vagus nerve controls your autonomic and somatic nervous system. So in your somatic is everything you can control. So if I'm moving my arms, if I'm giving you a high five, a hug, right, that's all somatic. And then autonomic is automatic. So it's an easy way to remember it. So that's everything that you're not controlling. So your heart rate, your digestive system, right? You blink in your eyes, like anything that just happens automatically, that's autonomic. So your vagus nerve kicks into that area. And then you have sympathetic in that area and parasympathetic These are all automatic processes. And if you guys have heard of sympathetic, that's the fight or flight response. And, you know, it's a hot word right now, fight or flight. You know, if you're running from a lion, you know, it's a big (laughs) metaphor. Your fight or flight kicks in. It also kicks in if you're stuck in traffic. It also kicks in if you're on social media. It also kicks in if you're doing really well at work. It kicks in when you're doing a workout. It kicks in when you're super stoked and just like getting through something all amped up. So that thing is an amazing player. And we want it. And we want it to do the fight or flight mechanism all the time when we can, when we want to use it. Right. But we don't want it to just stay on. And that's what tends to happen. And we don't get to go into what's called parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. That's the only area where the body is healing itself. So that whole big picture, we're stuck in either sympathetic, parasympathetic, and that's controlled by your vagus nerve. If you are not going into parasympathetic, you're not healing. You're stuck in sympathetic. Okay. So again, elongate that over a few days, a few weeks, a few months, that high stress, low rest, stuck in sympathetic. The average human will go in and out of parasympathetic 
and sympathetic, let's just call it fight or flight or rest depressed, right? We'll go in and out of that process three, four, five times a day. First responder might do it twice in a week, right? Super high stress. You carry that stress through your day. You carry that stress through the night. You're not sleeping. Then you're told to go home in the morning and show up for your loved ones, go to that birthday party, be present. How many guys I've talked to you are like, oh my God, I have the time. I'm just there physically. My body's there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I mm-hmm. made it. But man, I'm trying to like, you know, down a cup of coffee and just like be anything of a human, mm-hmm. right? You feel like a zombie. And so that whole mechanism right there, that like zombie-like feeling like you're just trying to survive, that's you stuck and sympathetic. It's called the polyvagal theory where you will overstress that vagus nerve. And now you can never get up and you can never get down. So you can't get amped for a workout and you can't get rested for your sleep at night. So, oh, I'm tired, but I can't fall asleep. I'm like, I'll buzz it inside. Oh, but I still can't get enough energy to like go play with my kids. And now I'm just stuck in this like weird burnout phase and you see it across the board. And this, if you want to see if you have it, are you easily agitated? Are you seeing the negative in things? Does your appetite change? Do you crave sugars? Do you have trouble having ambition and eagerness to go do things that are healthy for you, like just a walk or going to the beach because you know you like the beach if you live by it or the mountains, whatever? Like, do you feel yourself losing your passions? And for me, one of the ways I could tell that I was experiencing it is I love playing guitar. I like didn't even want to open it. I was like, nah, it's stupid. You know, and I started finding out that in myself, I was getting burned out. I was turning in that foggy, malaise, malnourished, you know, under-rested, chronically sleep-deprived person. And I probably wasn't that much fun to be around, to be honest, unless I had like my energy drinks or a couple nights of rest. And then even then it was like in bursts. And I remember like I'd be at a concert or something and I'd have to go take a nap mid-concert. Are you kidding? That's (laughs) a sign right there. I'm trying so hard to show up, but like my body is just fighting back and not letting me. And it's just like screaming from the inside, like this is not sustainable. So I'm like either forced to pick job and go home and sleep all day and night and then try to go back. But but that's no fun because then, you know, I'm not going to have a relationship. I'm not going to have a family. I'm not going to have a friend. I'm not going to have a life. Or I got to pick life and, you know, not do this job. It's like, no, that doesn't seem right. This is my calling, right? So what are the things that we can do to balance it back? And by doing all these, you know, within the program of Functional Hero, what I've found is by doing all these biohacks and these transition work, breath work, doing your movement correctly, doing, you know, this actual tactical movements that adhere to your nervous system health, you can actually bring back your system and you can go in and out of parasympathetic and sympathetic, go in and out of rest, in and out of fight and flight, and you can be adaptable. And one of the Last things I found was heart rate variability. If you guys have a whoop strap or a, mm-hmm. or a ring or I know the Apple Watch, Fitbit and the Garmin, they're all starting to tie into it. Your heart rate variability is the, that's the measurable for your nervous system. So that's the one telling you, are you in parasympathetic and sympathetic? Are you going back and forth? If you're really bad at it, then you're going to show low recovery scores and you're going to have a really low heart rate variability. If you're really good at it, meaning you have good vagal tone, you have a very resilient vagus nerve, meaning, you know, ability to respond, you're gonna have a higher heart rate variability. And so by increasing that vagal tone, you know, just like, you know, muscle, I work out my muscle, it becomes stronger, more resilient. If I work out that vagus nerve, it becomes stronger, more resilient. Thus, I become a more capable human. I get my brain back. I get my creativity back, my passions. I show up for those I love. I love my job again. My Everything comes back. And that's what I experienced personally. And I've seen it happen with friends. I'm going to summarize that from like my perspective, layman's terms. Basically, functional hero. One, Sean has done all the data, science, background, medical research, all those different things. So one, you don't have to. Two, He's lived through it as a first responder. He got the report saying, whoa, the number one cause of death is first responders taking their own life. That sends chills through his body, goes, I got to do something about this too. Lives through burnout, which is more gradual, right? I have a question for you. I'll, I'll get to in that because I, you know, we see burnout across all careers, right? And it's maybe a little bit different in the first responder world. But basically, he's done all this background and lived through it and realized, whoa, how can I tip the scales back in my favor? So all these issues, the the burnout, the the suicide rate all lowers, let's let's lower all of that. And so really looking to serve 
first responders in those different ways, in those hacks, breath work, sleep, how we can catch up on different things. Okay, breath work, I keep hearing breath. Like, give us one example of how someone can be intentional with breath work and, or, or an exercise to do. Absolutely. So there's a ton. But one of my favorite ones is if you ever feel like, okay, you've been on the computer and you have too many browser windows open and then mm-hmm. just the wheel just starts spinning yeah. and that processor can't get everything going. Yep. So your brain works kind of the same way. So that sense of overwhelm where you can't kind of like figure out what you're doing or can't dive into anything, can't focus. There's a good one where you inhale twice through your nose and out through your mouth. Do it a handful of times. The more anxious and overwhelmed you feel, do it faster and harder. But it's... (laughs) Do that that five, ten times. Right? Do that five, ten times and watch what happens. And really... One of the things I forgot to mention is the autonomic, automatic nervous system. Why breathwork is so important is breathing is the only thing that we can cross over. It's the only thing of the automatic nervous system that we can control. So that's why it's so important. If my breath slows down, if I control my breathing, that means my heart rate slows down and I can control my heart rate. So understand that the totality of your body is an experience together. So if you have a stressed mind, you have a stressed liver, you have a stressed heart depressing thoughts. You have a depressed gut, a depressed muscular system. It's experiencing the same thing. Literally at a cellular level, the body does not know the difference between experiencing or thinking of an experience. So if I think of traffic and actually like feel what that feels like versus being in it, the same processes happen. Mm. So do that breath work. You're taking control of that automatic process that, you know, it does so beautifully most of the time, but you're taking control back and saying, no, chill out right? We got this. We're okay. You're telling your body like you're doing a great job, but we're going to calm down a bit. We're going to get back in that parasympathetic and we'll gear up from there. So that's like your way to jump in. I love it. And so basically functional hero is serving. It's geared towards first responders. It's an app and it's human optimization. It's those things that Sean mentioned and all that background. But we see burnout, you know, in the corporate world in different places. Can this app serve beyond first responders? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it boils down to, are you having trouble mitigating your stress? And the answer is if 99% of us is yes. So if you're (laughs) burned out and if anyone's burned out, they can benefit from these things. So Functional Heroes Live, it's an app we can go download right now. Yes, sir. Sweet. All right. Let's transition into, because I know you mentioned you had a back injury on the job at work as a firefighter, you know, at that point you're forced to take leave and you think, and that's a huge setback, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, whoa, physical setback, what that does to you mentally, you know, what that does career wise, like everything. It's, It's such a setback, but functional hero was finished and the calling man was born in that time. So like oftentimes there's a setback, (laughs) <laughs> but it's really a set up, right? For like something even bigger, how you're meant to serve bigger. And Sandy and I have seen that over and over. So walk me through that kind of process into how Calling Man was born in amidst that setback. You know, growing up in sports, I always had coaches saying, you know, are you hurt or are you injured? Meaning like, can you still play, right? And the tough kid is always like, yeah, I'm just hurt. I can still play. And you muscle through it and you end up having like a ruptured spleen, you know, whatever. <laughs> but like, yeah, I can still get through the the game. And, you know, a little caveat on my history. You know, again, I'm not like tooting my own horn and saying, I am so tough. I just think like I was, I don't know if my body responds properly or what, but I played two games for two weeks in high school with a broken back. I broke my arm snowboarding and then continued for another three hours until I went to the ER. And another story is my academy. I had a broken shin for the last two and a half months. And never sought treatment until I allowed myself to just sit down and rest. And then the pain hit. And then it's like, Oh, (laughs) right. Something's terribly wrong. All right. I was pushing through what's called injured. This is not hurt, right? If I continue on, I will incapacitate myself and just be completely useless. That similar thing started to happen at work. And thank God for my fiance. She was kind of like the canary in the coal mine. I kept having these nagging hurts what I thought. And I would get to the point where, you know, old man status, I couldn't put socks on, couldn't get out of bed in the morning, could barely go up and down stairs. They would come in waves. And she goes, babe, this is like the sixth time this year. I'm like, holy cow. All right. Something's wrong. And I'm at work one day and it hits again, except this time worse. I don't know what exactly it was that I did, but picked up a ladder or something. And then a few hours later, just starts tightening up, starts doing weird spasms. 
and go to get on the rig and I'm, I'm the driver of the, the engine right now as an engineer. And I go to zip up my boots and, you know, you our firefighters, we have our pants on the ground and we'd like throw them up real quick so we can get on the rig real fast. We got to bend over to do that and then pick it up. And right. So I bend over to do that and I can't stand up. I'm just stuck in that bent over position. <laughs> Everyone's waiting, right? The tones went off. Like they're all sitting on the rig waiting for me. And I'm like, crawling up my knees with my hands and up my thighs, trying to stand up and my back still in this question mark position. And it took me a good like minute to minute and a half just to even get to like a position where I could like kind of move. And then you got to step up about three feet just to get on the ledge of the engine. They're really high standing and climb up. And I could barely do that. And then we went to this, we had a fire call at that moment. I couldn't even get out of the rig to go investigate what it was. Thank God it was just like a overheated dryer that, you know, was just smoking and some lint. So it was totally manageable. They didn't need me in there. Thank God. But I'm sitting there going, I'm useless right now. Not only for like my own purposes, but if something really serious does happen, like I am utterly useless and I have plenty of people counting on me. So I had to like, you know, suck up my pride and go to my captain and be like, dude, I think I need to go home. If we get anything, I am not going to be there, right? Like I'm not going to be able to perform my duties. And that was a humble pill to swallow. So I had that moment of just total kick in the gut, you know, of pride of like, obviously I, I hold myself to a very high physical standard and that's getting destroyed. And I have to figure out what this is. I'm like, am I just having like weird back spasms? I don't, I have no idea. All I know is I'm incapacitated. This hurts like hell and I can't do anything. So I need to go home and you figure this out and you go treatment like immediately. And one of the side notes that happened that like really hit me core was a lot of people, not a lot, there, there was a handful of people that were like kind of attacking with it at my job. You know, guys that are experiencing burnout, you know, aren't usually compassionate. And they were like, you know, essentially calling me, oh, pussy and, you know, how selfish of you. And I'm like, hey, I would love to be there. Trust me. Mm-hmm. I can't. And they're like, oh, whatever, you know, just, and then they, you know, probably faked it. And I'm like, Jeez, guys, are you kidding me? Right? Like faking it, like, oh my God. And so I'm dealing with this and it really hits home of like, why are us as men missing the boat so much? We talk about being in a brotherhood and, you know, uh, being a band of brothers and all this stuff. And I'm just getting like filleted for this. I'm like, well, that's not who I want to be. How do I promote better healthy masculinity where, you know, I had others reach out and be like, Hey man, I heard like, you okay? Is there anything I can do? Like, what can I help you with to help empower you back? That's what a brother does. Right. And I gone on this retreat, a brotherhood retreat, coincidentally, right before this. And it was a very in-depth, like insightful kind of thing where, you know, you did a lot of inner work and all of us kind of came out with these like new goals and passions. And at the time it was kind of just floating of like, man, like I love daily journals and I love like studying and empowering like that healthy masculine nature. Uh, I just read a couple books on it. There's a beautiful one called King, Magician, Warrior, Lover, which talks about the four masculine archetypes and understanding that was paramount for me. And so I just decided with this downtime, I'm going to create something. First off, I went looking for it, right? I went looking for it. Is there like a daily practice, a daily journal that helps gear me towards being a healthy, strong man while also, you know, evolving my mind with, you know, the gratitude, affirmation, manifestation, like mindsets. And there wasn't, couldn't find it. Entrepreneur tip right there. You go looking for something to solve (laughs) your own issue and you, you can't find it. Shoot. You got to start it right then and there. That's like, that's the key. Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, I'm also part of a, a brotherhood accountability group called K4. And, you know, I went across this guy and it's hundreds of guys all across the nation, everywhere from like age 65, all the way down to like 25, you know, working every job and CEO and entrepreneurship across the planet. Right. And I went across this whole platform. I said, Hey, does anyone know of something like this? No one did. I was like, okay, I'm creating it. And took that to heart, the King Magician Warrior Lover and implemented that into a daily gratitude journal. So I created a journal that practices off the daily mindset calibration. If we're not choosing what we input into ourselves, someone else is. And it's usually to either sell someone or sell us on something or manipulate us to do whatever they want. Right. So you watch the news or, you know, you're on social media or whatever, like other things are being input in your mind and it will create a snowball off of that. That's how the mind works. It's a pattern recognition creator. So it wants to take something and then build off of that. Everything and anything, right? You see a cool tree, you start recognizing other cool trees. You think of a white car, 
guess what all you're going to see on the road, right? More white cars, right? That's just the very like foundation of it. So take control of what you're inputting into your mind, especially at the beginning of the morning when you're in that like fresh, beautiful state out of REM and deep sleep when your mind is like, honestly, at its purest form, right? It's gone into creativity mode. It's gotten in REM sleep. It's gotten rid of all the fluff that we don't need anymore. Deep sleep, which is why, you know, sleep on it. You wake up with a clear mind. So take that moment in the morning and get into gratitude and get in a mindset calibration of like, what do I want? Like manifestation, affirmation, like actually like focus on your strengths and your good and your strong parts of your life, things like that. And the beautiful thing too about gratitude is if you watch the brainwaves function of someone who is not in gratitude, which is the majority of us most of the time, whether or not we're practicing it and versus when we are in gratitude, it's literally watching a well-oiled machine. Like you can literally see it on the brainwave. It's beautiful. So you put yourself in a grateful mindset. So created this journal for that daily practice. And then also walking through the healthy masculinity of King, magician, warrior, lover, and a quick definition on those. And hopefully you guys are starting to hear more about this because it's up and coming, but these are practices and philosophies that have been around for centuries and people have been doing them for centuries too. I don't know why I think it happened around the industrial revolution uh, something to do with when the man started leaving home more and, you know, the, the roles of man and woman changed deeply in our society. Did it become taboo for men to get into their feelings and get into understanding themselves internally? But everyone from our greatest warriors, like the samurai, were journaling every night. They would literally finish sword slinging battle and then go to their camp and write in calligraphy to journal about the day. It's like, wait, whoa, okay, if they're doing it, if the Vikings were doing it, if the Romans were doing it, I feel like I should be doing it. They, they knew what they were doing, right? Those guys were way tougher than I'll ever be. Like, I, don't, I will never understand what kind of battle that is. And somehow they knew that they need to recalibrate themselves by journaling, by getting into their feeling, by getting into what their intentions were to be, to recalibrate for the next day for the following, you know, mission. And... So we go into the masculine archetypes, king, magician, warrior, lover, king, the, and I'll give the kind of the bumper sticker definitions here. King is like that mindset of I'm a dreamer. I want to create something. And I want to build a kingdom and bring everyone with me. Right. You know, you see a big vision, you see like, oh man, what else can we do? Like whatever it's like, oh, we should throw a barbecue this weekend. Let's invite her for right. King Wade has a ring to it. I think Yeah, and just uh, for after you saying that bumper <laughs> sticker, definition, what do you think, babe? No comment. <laughs> King needs a queen. <laughs> but so that's that's the king mindset, right? The warrior is your hard yes, hard no decision maker, like get shit done. That's the warrior mindset. And that's also the mindset that the first responders in, military's in all the time. We don't have time to be emotional, nor will it really serve us until after the fact. So in the moment, right, you are a warrior. You need to get it done, wartime, get it on, get it going, handle it. That's the warrior mindset, right? The decision maker, get, doer, all that. The magician is the meticulous like potion maker. Like, do you create a plan? Do you like write out the steps? Are you very meticulous about your process? If you see the vision, all right, how are we going to get there? Step A, B, C, all the way up, you know, to a billion, right? That's the magician. They're going to create that plan. And then the lover is going to create meaning, connection out of it. The lover is going to be like, all right, now how are we going to do this together? Right? How are we going to bring each other together and empower each other with this? And we'll adhere to one of those houses naturally, but the goal is to be the king of your four houses, a man in full. So a man in full will take all four houses and understand there's a place and time for each, but I will dive into each of those throughout my day, throughout my week and understand that like, hey, if you know my fiance comes over to me and you know has a tear in her eye, not a good time to be a warrior, right? Mm. Chill out, bro. Be a lover. You know, but if for whatever reason, you know, I'm like at the gym and like CrossFit workout hits, not a good time to be a lover. <laughs> time to step on that warrior, right? Get going. So understanding that, that we dive into each of those houses, it was a big eye opener for me, realizing that one where I guess that flack from work was coming from those, you know, that was that warrior mindset, like, oh, pussy, you can't keep up. It's like, geez, well, no, I can't right now. Sorry. And there's a time where each of us will have that moment. You know, so we got to step into the king and the and the lover process and then be a magician about it and figure out how am I going to heal myself like step by step, right? So you start to realize that there's different places for these different mindsets and these different houses that we can adhere to, but we have all of it within us. 
I love that affirmation because I was just reflecting. I'm like, dang, am I one of these? I, f- I feel like I use all of them. And I'm thinking like, okay, I got to go out and be a king in my life and cast a vision and, and for my family and, and go out and do things, but then be a lover at home to my wife and to my future family and to those cherished relationships around me. I got to be a magician because my wife has such big vision. She is such a big thinker. Sometimes I got to step in magician like, okay, but how are we going to pull this off? There's some logistics we got to figure out here. And then the warrior, like I think about when I go step in and do Ironman training or stuff like that, it's just like, it's almost this different person steps in to go do it. And it's it's that warrior. So I liked hearing that we should be helping all four flourish and in different ways. And I, I love that the calling man is a journal to help bring that out and to not just be this ego male, but like, let me dive into inside. And I'm excited. I'm really, I have one here on my desk. I'm pumped up to start using it. Sand, I know you got to run. Do you have any last questions from the female perspective for Sean before you go? Tell people where they can get their own copy. And then I want to know quickly, like, how is it intended to be used? Like every morning, every night, how long does the journal last? Like, is it like for a month, for a couple months, like walk me through, I like details. Yeah. So it's a daily process, ideally in the morning or evening, depending when you like to calibrate, but ideally both. We're theoretically supposed Mm -hmm. to do reflection in the morning and evening. Scientifically speaking, that's how the mind wants to work, but daily. And then it goes on for about three months. I put uh, 90 days of a process in there to walk you through all four houses and then also through that daily calibration, daily inspiration. I love that. We love our 90-day cycles. Okay, so we just got a few copies and we're giving them as gifts to men in our lives that we love. So I feel like this is such a great gift for any man in your life, honestly. And yeah, tell people where they can get their own copy. Callingman.com. Uh, I got to listen on Amazon as well as through the website, but either the calling man or callingman.com both work. I love it. All right. So we got callingman.com. Instagram is calling man, right? Yes, sir. Is it the calling man or calling man? I think it's the calling. It's man. the yeah. calling man. Yep. So we got the calling man, the journal for men. And this, this is a game changer. This is huge. If you're a female out there listening, what a great father's day gift, gift, anything, just a gift for loving your man. Like it would be, huge for that. I'm I'm pumped for it. I'm pumped to start using it. And the functional hero, the functional hero too, like this, this comes back to the legacy you're leaving and really looking to serve in different ways right now. Where, how do we connect with you there? Functionalhero.com and then Instagram, Facebook, uh, functional hero. Amazing. Amazing. So much value add today. Wow. I'm amped to know you, brother. I'm amped to be your brother in arms and in arms, I mean, in life and we're training for an Ironman together. It's epic. I'm I'm getting magnetic to you living like a mile away from me. So that's pretty cool too. It's going to happen. We'll be neighbors. I think before we leave today, we got to tell the Mexico story. We got to tell it. <laughs> so Sean's fiance, Lindsay, a dear friend of ours, she's deathly allergic to peanuts, like serious, serious, serious. So everywhere we go now, we make sure there's no peanut oil, no peanut butter, anything. So we're at our friend Kelly and Osiris wedding in Mexico on an island, like remote, absolutely stunning, beautiful. And we see Sean and Lindsay, they're kind of off to themselves. And like, we think like, oh, they must have had a bunch of margaritas or something. Because like, Lindsay was looking like a little loose. <laughs> and we go to the dance floor. You're, we're literally on a beach. There's a dance floor on the beach. There's like a Vici bumping. I'm like, Sandy's doing everything she can for me not to take my shirt off and whip it over my head. At and sunset, like, yeah, it's right? at sunset. It's, it's oh. just we're setting the stage here. It's absolutely beautiful, and all of a sudden, you know, I see Sean running to the water's edge with Lindsay in his arms, like dead weight, and I'm like, oh babe, we got to go over there. <laughs> so Sandy and I run over and we get to you. You take it from there. Okay, so we're down in Mexico for this amazing wedding, and. Uh, outside of Puerto Vallarta, we go to this. It's a peninsula, but they call it the island because the only way to get to this wedding venue or you know area is by boat. There's no road. They don't have helicopters, apparently. You might be able to fly them, but it's only boat accessible. And it's a 45-minute booze cruise ride. And we know that because that's the ride that we took there. Mm-hmm. And they put on a heck of a show. Let me tell you. I mean, this was such a fun wedding, such a fun time. 
It's one of those ones where hop on the booze cruise, there's awesome Mai Tais getting served and you show up and the first thing that gets put in your face is a plate full of tequila shots. Yes. <laughs> Wedding yes. hasn't even started. We're like, all right, we're here to party. Let's yep. go. <laughs> and, you know, music's bumping. It is absolutely gorgeous. The wedding ceremony is amazing. And, you know, we're there to celebrate. So we're drinking. We're having a blast. Thank God I'm a paramedic. Let's mm, just start there. Seriously. Okay. So we start having a good time. We do the ceremony and then now it's reception time. We're doing dinner and both Linz and I are just, you know, three sheets past the wind or gone with the wind, whatever that phrase is. And I go up to get desserts for us and get, you know, my favorite is cinnamon sugar chips. Oh, like the churro chips. Yeah. I could eat 900 of those. Yep. And hers are chocolate covered strawberries. Mm. So I grab, they have both and I grab them and I pull them over and we start eating them. And, you know, Linz is being all cute and, you know, she's like, oh, you should try this one. And I go to take a bite. She goes, oh, no. And she would eat it. And I'd be like, what the heck, you little punk? You know, she's just joking around. And right after that, you know, we take a bunch of, do a cheers, take another shot or so, and uh, jump on the dance floor and start bouncing around. And prior to this, her sister had asked me, hey, have you been with Lindsay when she's had a reaction yet? <laughs> yet. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, Nicole, what do you mean yet? And it was like, all right, well, there's some foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And Lynn starts like scratching her palms and she kind of goes, oh man, I don't feel well. And caveat, she has another allergy to, so peanuts are legumes, right? So that's a different allergy. But she also has a, a nut allergy where she'll get either exercise induced anaphylaxis. So if her heart rate gets above a certain period, uh, it can induce anaphylaxis, which is where your throat closes up and you die. And then she has peanut allergies, which is like within 10 minutes, we'll just do it regardless. Well, what we found out after this whole trip, and Lindsay's alive and well and you know, <laughs> beautiful, so don't worry. Yep. But is that in Mexico, they mix their chocolate with nuts. So they use peanuts and different nuts in the factories. And that's what makes it so creamy and delicious for those of us who are not allergic. So she has this chocolate covered strawberries. We get on the dance floor about five, 10 minutes later, she starts having a reaction. I start asking her calmly and talk about those mindsets, the masculine archetypes. So the masculine archetypes, I was not sober and immediately jumped into warrior and was sober as day and was asking her. Same actually. When yeah. I saw you guys. It's amazing. It was wild. Sobered up like in an instant from like amazing. a dozen tequila shots. Yeah. And uh, I started asking, I go full firefighter paramedic with her, you know, very calm, cool and collected and probably a little too much because some people did not realize there was an emergency happening. And I started asking her, Hey babe, is this a mild reaction or is this a big one? Because in the back of my mind, I'm going, we should have been on a boat 20 minutes ago if this mm. is a big one. Uh, she did not bring her EpiPen. It was too, We're on an island. It was too big for her, her dress and purse. So <laughs> I joke about duct taping it to her forehead from now on. <laughs> but we're on this island and, you know, she's also trying to downplay it because poor girl. I mean, she doesn't want to go through this. She doesn't want to put anyone else through this. She's going through her nightmare. She's been through it literally a dozen times in her life. She's always been near an emergency room. So she, you know, she knows the process and doesn't is understating it. She's probably been through it like 30 times because mm -hmm. there's so many foods laced with this and different allergies that she has. So she's just trying and hoping that it's a mild one, but she starts having, and what I learned is there's some different parameters for her. You know, everyone's a little different with the reactions, but if like certain things start happening, like with her ears and with her throat, I know it's a big one. If it's just itchy and like some hives on her chest, then it's a small one. So that's like a big you yeah. know, red alert for me. I didn't know that at the time. So I keep asking her and she's like, I just need to go sit down. Also another red alert. So if her, if her energy starts dropping big and I go, Hey babe, you know, you need to let me know, like, cause we need that boat coming now. I think we walked over and thought you guys were in a fight and we're like, yes. Oh, we'll leave you guys right yeah. there to it. And <laughs> yeah. like we walked back we, to the dance floor. We walked into like a dark area kind of, yeah. cause we didn't want to interrupt this wedding too, right. regardless if it was mild or major. She throws up, which is my red alert. Like, all right, it's on. And right about then, Wade and Sandy had walked over. And I think if I remember, I can't remember if it was you guys or other people, but I was like, hang with her, keep her head up. And I need to go find the head of this place. One, get the boat and two, find if they have any emergency stuff. I don't remember that part. I saw you running over to the edge of the water. Actually, you were pretty calmly, but steadily walking over and she's lifeless in your arms. And like, we're like, shoot, snap into action, run over like, what's happening? Yeah. And you just literally like dump her in my arms. You're like, take her, <laughs> take care of her, like keep her yeah. head back or whatever position. And you're like, I got to go. And you just start running to yes. whoever 
is there to yeah. help. So I go to that the head of the place and I was like, hey, do you guys have any emergency kits available, you know, for like severe allergy reactions? And again, I might have been too calm because she goes, Yeah, yeah, if we have stuff like that, if we ever need it, and then turns around. And I'm like, hey, hon, I'm not asking just to find out for my own postcard. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we need it. <laughs> like, do we have a speedboat we can get here? Can we get back? Like, we need to get to the ER and we need like emergency care now. Yeah. And so I tell her what I do and it like pops the bowl for her. She's like, oh, okay, we'll get it. She radios out. We have an EMT coming. He's running over here right now and I'll get the boat coming. Cool. All right. We at least got the process going. I'm also thinking I'm not losing this girl. I'm thinking in the back of my head, like I just talked to her dad, Jack. I was like, Jack, I'm not letting your daughter die in the back of my head. I pull a steak knife off the table in case I need to give her a trach. Like I am going full throttle like this. This lady is living this oh, yeah. love my life. Like you are not going anywhere. Nope. <laughs> I don't Meanwhile, I'm holding her in my arms. I'm like, is she alive? How does yeah. this work? I don't know what this is. Oh, She's in this God. beautiful neon yellow dress for the wedding. And I'm like, this is insane. This is out yeah. of a movie. And everyone just thinks she's hammered. And right? all of a sudden this yeah. tin boat rolls up and Sean was rolling back in. And I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? He's like, we're getting on the boat. We got to get to the mainland. We got to so, get to a hospital. So right before that happens, this is and talk about like God, universe, whatever you want to call it, that amazing omnipotent spirit that like holds everything together in this world. First EMT runs up, finds out what I do, opens the bag. And this is a kind of a, a comedic outlet he goes hey can any of this help you and i'm like dude it's your bag i don't you tell me (laughs) like everything's in uh spanish and i'm opening it all up and luckily randomly i have phone service so i can like translate all these different medications the answer is no they didn't have what i needed i needed epinephrine or adrenaline that reverses the reaction and then i needed benadryl to stop the reaction right so epinephrine is what's going to save her and open her lungs and you know make sure her heart's still beating Benadryl is what's going to take the allergen, the histamine off the cell, which creates the reaction. So I needed both. And she was puking. So I needed it intravenously. I needed something to give her a shot. We can't do Benadryl pills because her body's already in rejection mode. So it's not going to absorb anything I throw into her stomach. So now I'm, you know, like red alert, like we need to be moving. And I was like, no, let's get going. And out of nowhere, the head of the, the space had no idea either. She was like, oh my God, I didn't know this guy was here either. This other medic comes running up with another bigger bag. And she goes, I don't know where this guy came from. Opens it up. Gan goes, can any of this help you? And I was like, come on guys. And I start rifling through this thing and I find, so she's still breathing, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't quite need the epinephrine yet. So her throat hasn't fully closed, but I do need intravenous Benadryl. And I find one vial. Oh my gosh. One vial of intravenous into the shot, into her arm. And she's got a couple needles. I just grab it. I set it up. He gives her a tourniquet. Boom. And you're supposed to kind of like slow push it. I was like, whatever, she's out. <laughs> like, I just need that in her now. And I put it in there. We run out to the beach as this quote unquote speed boat. It's, <laughs> it's, if you guys have ever been to Mexico and been on those boat taxis, they're yep. like the tin fish boats. Yep. That's what they brought. And there was no dock. They like literally beached it amidst the waves, yep. the shore break. And then we're we, in our like tuxes or whatever the heck oh we're in, God. we're jumping in this boat. <laughs> it was insane. They lay down the life vest horizontally or perpendicularly on the boat so that we can lay her down on my lap. Like I'm holding her on my uh, chest so that I can monitor her breathing and her heart rate. I have her wrist in my hand so I can you know, monitor her blood pressure. As long as I know she has a pulse there in her wrist, that means her organs are perfused. They have enough blood. So I'm like just holding it and hopping the boat. And it's not like we're going across like, a harbor. Yeah, it was like 45 minutes on the way over in uh, the big yeah. boat. Of open water. <laughs> of open water, yeah. <laughs> like swells and everything. So this guy turns it on. He, you know, we communicate. I know some Spanish. Let him know the emergent like nature of this. Like, yeah, he's she's not drunk. She's dying. Yeah. So let's go. And so he just Sandy and I it. jump in. I don't even remember why. It was just that. You know, when you it's, you aren't even thinking. It's yep. just reaction. We're here to help. We're here to help yeah. be there. And dude, they were, you know, helping stabilize her and everything. And we're just beelining in. I think it took us instead of 50 minutes, it took us like 20 minutes to get back. Yeah. And it was so funny, even in the midst of it, like we're bouncing back and forth, just bruising ourselves <laughs> off this metal boat. And yeah, Wade was like, Hey, you know, if you really think about it right now, this is actually really gorgeous out. Yeah, there's something cinematic <laughs> about all this. Like, and it let's was. assume that yeah. Lindsay lives through this. Like, yeah. we're going to remember this moment for the rest of our lives. Like, I, dude, there's something about, like, I always need to, like, silver lining, like, shine yes. some positive light on something. And in that moment, and Sean's there on the bottom of the tin boat, just bouncing bruises everywhere to, like, keep Lindsay from 
harming in any other way. Sandy and I are on like the little wood benches. Like Sandy's almost flying out. She's like, hold me down, hold me down. And <laughs> she did. I'm like, there's something really beautiful about this chaos right now. Yep. And Sean just looks up and like smirks at me. And I'm like, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> meanwhile, <was. laughs> meanwhile, Sandy is just ba- uh, smaller than us. So just bouncing with every wave and like, like trying hanging so on for dear life. And she's like leaning into the boat, trying not to bounce out, holding on to me, unwrapped in my legs. And she looks over and she goes, this is so fucking Mexican. (laughs) And Sean and I, again, this moment of levity where we just start laughing amidst this life or death situation. But long story short, we get there. There's an ambulance waiting. Get to the hospital. She hospital's is, amazing. It's two yeah. minutes from the harbor. She's all good. Yep. Next healed. day we're at brunch. She goes, yeah, what happened last night? Oh. We're sipping like mimosas or whatever. She's back ready to go. She's like, yeah, I heard Sean save me and you guys all save me. Thank you, by the way. Like, what? Anyways, yep. that is a wrap. Thank you, Sean, Percy, Travis for hopping on Getting Magnetic today. It's been a pleasure. And any last words? Appreciate it, man. Equally mutual love that you're in my life, dude. Powerful brother in arms. Thank you. Yes, let's do this. All right, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Stay magnetic. Only those that can see the invisible can do the impossible. So remember, you are magnetic. Magnetic.